guys, how are you doing? So excited to be here. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, have a seat, guys. I'll get you to sit. You've been standing for a little bit. Thank you so much. Again, I'm so honoured to be here on this important day. And um, I said this before, but Pastor Alex and Pastor Jessen, we're just honoured to have you lead us from here on. And um, you're so Christ-like in looks and in personality and in character. <laughs> I was going to say you're Christ. I'm like, he really does look like Christ. It's very good when your leader looks like that. Um, We've got this amazing series. Anyone enjoying this series? The Upside Down Kingdom. It's kind of amazing and fun. And uh, we're turning your thoughts on on its head. Um, I'm going to be true to... as I was praying and as I was in worship, God gave me a word for someone. I don't know who it's for. Um, so I'm just going to get you to close your eyes and we're going to pray over this message. Father, we're just grateful for your beautiful presence in this house. And we just surrender to your word this morning. We surrender our emotions, our thought patterns, our family, our lives. We're so grateful, Lord, that you are for us who could be against us. We thank you, Lord God Almighty, that you would instruct and train us this morning like just sitting at the feet of Jesus, just being instructed by the Word of God. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me to deliver it with power, with heart. But Lord, I ask that you would transform lives. Just keep your eyes closed, guys. As I was worshipping this morning, I saw some a person and, and you have a family relationship. You have a situation that is quite intense and very hard. And there's a lot of hatred involved in that situation. And I could see that you have chosen not to forgive out of protection because every time you forgive, you get hurt again and then you forgive and then you get hurt again. And I could see this wall in front of you that was a wall of unforgiveness. And unfortunately, what I could see in that wall was the thorns were on your side, not theirs. That the wall was doing more harm to you than it was to them. And as I was praying, I said, Lord, help us to reveal this morning about loving your enemies. And I saw this beautiful essence of the wall came down. And as you surrendered and as you forgave and as you let that situation go, God built this supernatural wall that was beautiful in power, that was beautiful for you as well as for the family situation. So I pray this morning for all of us that as we go through the Word of God, that you would help us to love in situations where we naturally want to just defend ourselves and and not forgive. And I pray that your Word would penetrate those walls. And as we forgive, that you would build a wall of protection around us in Jesus' Name. Amen. Awesome, guys. Let's jump into the Word, which is my motto. Do you know your your students are so good for your um, pride? My students told me this year that every time I go to the Bible, I say, let's jump in. Let's jump in. So let's jump in. Um, (laughs) I'm going to go with that motto. We are in this amazing series of loving your enemies and we're kind of um, shifting gear here a little bit. Is that okay? We're going to talk about something that is so pinnacle in this day. I am watching the news and is anyone just heartbroken that what is happening on the news? I'm watching Instagram and I'm heartbroken as a Christian of what is happening in the nations and around the world and the hatred that is rising up. And it is heartbreaking to me because in the in the kingdom of God, we have two choices. Do you know that? We have the choice to, to sow into and invest into the kingdom of the world or we have a choice to invest and to sow into the kingdom of God. 
And today, as we look at the news and the Instagram, I can see something happening in the church. And as a teacher, I want to kind of step in today and say, let's get some instructions from the Word of God on this. Let's stop and go, hang on a second. We're all caught up in this. Let's go back to our instruction manual and find out what God wants us to do in this situation. How does God want us to react? Because I think sometimes we react out of the loudest voice or the loudest thing, and it's not necessarily what God wants us to do. So as we have a look at the the Word of God this morning, I have to say, I didn't grow up in church. I I grew up with my grandparents taking me to church every now and then. Um, I didn't grow up in church. So when I first came to church, you are the weirdest bunch of people I have ever met. (laughs) I was 15, and I grew up in a household where my dad's a policeman, and, you know, it's all about justice and vengeance, and, you know. And I get here, and I'm like, okay, situation. I hear situations. I'm like, right, so you're going to fight that, aren't you? And they're like, no, I'm going to forgive. I'm like, you're going to what? What? Say that again? You know, or, you know, I'm I'm giving my tithe. You're giving your what? I'm giving, I'm I'm a generous person. Why? When, When you come from outside the kingdom and you listen to the kingdom principles, they're very weird and not natural. Anyone else? It's topsy-turvy, it's upside down. Let me read you some of them. Given it will be given to you. If you want to save your life, you have to lose it. Crazy principles. Love your enemies. The first shall be last. I have to say my school was not of that principle. I was last in every race and they never declared me first. Uh, I'm a dancer, so I run like this. And I get last all the time. They were not following the Bible in that one. Rejoice when you're persecuted. We're going to talk about this incredible moment of loving your enemies. Praying for those who persecute you. Now, I'm going to say that is not your natural reaction. Does anyone know that? When you get hurt, your natural reaction is to hurt straight back. But I want to show you some principles of the kingdom that if you take the weapons of the kingdom, not the weapons of the world, your uh, power, your authority, your warfare is more effective. Let me show you the scripture. It says 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Can I say that you have two weapons? You can fight with the weapons of the world or you can fight with the weapons of the kingdom. Now, the weapons of the kingdom are above. Now, we've been chatting about this with, I go to Roselle with Mark, and we've been chatting about this topsy-turvy culture. Can I say the kingdom of God's culture is not a subculture? It's not attached to the culture of the world. It is a counterculture. What does that mean? In the church, we are different. In the church, we are, we are running parallel, but we are opposite at times. We don't fight with what they fight. When they say hate, we say love. When they say be stingy, we say be generous. And sometimes you've got to get the Word of God in you so you understand this power of this counterculture. It says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That last statement is so pinnacle because the battle, Joyce Meyer's right, the battle is going to be in your mind. The greatest choice that you're going to make is in your thinking about situations and therefore your reactions to those situations. If you have a thought in your mind that, you know, I'm going to, um, I hate that person or you're offended or you're bitter, then unfortunately what will happen is your actions will follow your thinking. That's why it's so important to be in the Word of God and swap your thinking with what this Bible says. I remember when I was 15 and I came into church and I'm like, I'm going to have to read the instruction manual because I don't understand you all at all. And as I'm reading it, I'm realising that when Jesus came in, encountered situations, he reacted with the power of the kingdom because that's the higher power, the higher authority. So let's have a look at the power of loving your enemies. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I'm just going to say... 
If I'm being persecuted, that is not my natural reaction to bless. But the Bible talks about having these reactions of the kingdom, loving your enemies in a situation and a world where an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, vengeance, the loudest voice is the angriest voice. Has anyone heard it at the moment? The loudest voice is the angriest voice. And I'm sorry, I'm going to get a bit emotional about this because we think anger is the power. We think hatred is the power. We do not understand the concept of love being more powerful than hatred. When you turn around, and I, God's reminded me of something. As I was in uh, worship this morning, there was another person that I needed to speak to, and I'm going to be obedient to this, otherwise he's not going to leave me alone. <laughs> um, there was another person that I needed to speak to, and it was this. You are, you've been fighting with your parents for a long time over Christianity, and you're weary. You're weary in the fight. You're weary at loving and loving and loving and loving. And I could see God in that weariness. He realises that you're tired. And he realises that your natural being is actually starting to just get offended and bitter and return hate for hate. And it's just, can I say this morning that your fight is for eternity and your fight is real and it's happening and God is going to bring victory in that situation. Whoever that is, there is victory coming. So keep going. What I want to do this morning is unpackage three things to know to love your enemies, to change your mind, to change your thinking. Your first one is this. You have to know that love is more powerful. You have to know that love is more powerful. Uh, As I was praying over this, I saw a vision of this gun of hatred and this gun that looks so powerful and it's loudest and it's it's quite violent. It It looks powerful. And I saw this little flower kind of coming in the end. And it feels like sometimes when you choose to love in a situation, it feels ineffective It feels emotional. And I love the hippies of the 1970s, but you ruined love. You really did. Love became this hippie. But the power of God is the power of love. When you activate love, when you choose to respond, even though you're bitter, even though you have every right, when you choose to respond, you activate the kingdom of God in that circumstance. Let me show you the scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I'm gonna get you to leave it up there. When you read the Bible, guys, just because you know it doesn't mean that's enough revelation for that scripture. Sometimes that's why I say get a new Bible every year. Why? Because your highlighted section probably has more revelation that you need, but you skip it because you think you know it. Get a new Bible so you're getting fresh revelation from these scriptures. Now it says, and now these three remain faith, hope and love. As Pentecostals, we understand that faith changes a circumstance. You understand that. When you go to faith into a circumstance, it activates God. When you know that hope changes a circumstance, if you are sick, if there's situations, you know, recently I was having this moment. Anyone through COVID feel like there was no future? (laughs) Through COVID, I'm like, it's never going to end. I can't be in my pyjamas every day of my life. (laughs) You know, and you have this sense of almost discouragement, like there isn't any future. And then all of a sudden you read the Word of God and hope comes in and it changes your thinking, it changes your perspective, it changes everything about it. That's the power of hope. But... It says here that love is greater than both of those. Love is actually greater than faith and it's actually greater than hope. The second thing is this, 1 John 4, 8 says this, anyone who does not love does not know God. Whoa. Don't you love it when the Bible whacks you up the side of the head? Because God is love. Have a look at your Bible again. It doesn't say God is loving. It says God is love. When you activate love in a relationship that doesn't deserve love, you're being God in that relationship. You're activating God in that relationship. 
you're activating the nature, the essence, the very being of who he is. You're almost stepping out of the situation and going, yep, God, I'm just going to activate you in this relationship by loving. When you're offended and when you're bitter and you choose to take away those rights to be offended and bitter and you choose to forgive, God gets involved. And you know what? When God gets involved, he changes the whole thing from top to bottom. So number one, know that love is power. Number two, know that you have a choice. Even though everything in you in in situations, you know, whether it's at work, everything in you is telling you that you're angry or you're hurt or you're bitter, you have a choice. You can choose the kingdom of God or the kingdom of love. Let me show you the scripture. Matthew 5, 43 to 47. Now notice, can I say when you read your Bible, notice the repeated language. Time and time again in Matthew, it says, you have heard, but I tell you. You have heard, but I tell you. What is he doing? He's changing the culture of their thinking. He's like saying, the world is telling you this, but I am telling you this. And you've got a choice which way you're going to go. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Can you see how he took it a step further? The world tells you to do one thing. God doesn't just tell you to forgive. He actually tells you to pray for them. He kind of takes it into this heart issue and, and with actions that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? I love this. Who's writing this book? Matthew, a tax collector. Imagine him writing that and he's like, oh, I have to put this in here. He said it. But I'll just put a little caveat here. Tax collectors are really good. No, he doesn't put that in there. It's got this, when you know who's writing this, this Bible will come alive. And if, if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Today, if some of you are battling with your actions, change your thoughts. Have a look at what the Word of God says. Jesus didn't just go after their actions. He went after their minds. He went after their thinking. He said, look, I know that this is what the world is telling you to do, but let me tell you that that fruit is death. This fruit in the kingdom of God is life. Third point is this. No, Jesus did it in his greatest hour of suffering. As I, can I just say, I love doing these preaching series because as I'm studying this, I'm learning so much more about the Bible myself. And as I realised, I was praying and I said, Jesus, show me where your greatest moment of loving your enemies. And of course, the cross. Let me show you this. He actually doesn't just teach us to do it. He did it himself in his worst hour. Luke 23, 33 to 39. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine, vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Imagine this moment, guys. He's on the cross. He's just endured the most hardest whipping that has pretty much gutted him. He's on the cross and he's just got one more victory, one more thing to do. He's got to forgive all those around him. 
Imagine him looking down on the Romans and they're, they're casting lots over his clothes like it's nothing. Imagine him looking down in the crowd that was once honouring him, once, Jesus, Jesus, we love you, and now they're like, crucify him. Imagine him looking down upon the two thieves either side that are jeering him. The Sanhedrin that are standing there, very proud of what's happening. And in this one moment, he could have changed the course of history with one decision. Does he forgive and lead the church into the power of God, into the resurrection, or does he hate and therefore exempt himself from what's happening next? Imagine that moment, because he's human. He's not just super, but he's, he's human. And what does he do? These incredible words, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. See, you don't know what's on the other side of your forgiveness. You don't know what's on the other side of you forgiving that family member that just keeps coming at you. You don't know what's on the other side of that. Jesus knew that on the other side, if he forgave, imagine the disciples, and I was, I was thinking about this. I get so caught up in the Bible, and I was thinking about what does this look like for the disciples? They're angry. They are crucifying the, his, the Messiah. And the whole way through this ministry, Jesus has been saying, I'm not going to do a supernatural, I'm going to do a supernatural thing and not a natural war. And at this point, had he have chosen hatred, we would not have the church as it was today. Why? Because the disciples would have risen up in anger like everybody else. God showed me this moment and he said, Katie, it had to be different to make a difference. It had to be the power of love at this point. It had to be like Pastor Alex um, preached. It had to be him laying down his life. Why? Because when you choose to let go of your rights, your right to be angry, your right to be offended, your right to be bitter, can I say, him at that point had every right to be angry, offended and bitter. He's an innocent man on a cross. He had every right to call down heaven. He had every right to say, this is not right. Don't let your rights overtake the action of the kingdom. You've got to go like Christ did. Philippians 2 says what? He emptied himself of everything. Why? So God, therefore God could exalt him. We have this moment. Now, what's on the other side of this incredible pinnacle moment of the cross? The Roman soldier says what? Surely this is the son of God. The thief next to him realises that this guy's different. The thief next to him says, can I come with you? I don't want to be in this. Can I come with you? Yeah. The mob is part of the 3,000 that get saved later. And one of the Sanhedrin actually opens his temple and says, yep, this man's different. I know some of you are facing things in your family and you don't understand what's on the other side of your forgiveness. You don't understand what's on the other side of letting that go. Maybe it's your workplace. But let me tell you, when you get rid of your rights and let that thing go and forgive, God is activated. The power of God is activated. God gets involved and he says, okay, you've let go of that. Now let me show you what it looks like. Now let me show you what I can do. In this. I think sometimes God waits until I'm exhausted. Anyone else? I've done everything I can and I'm on my knees. And he's like, you're finished, Kate? I have, I'm done. He's like, can I step in now? Some of you this morning, as we pray, I feel like you're just going to let that go. 
Forgive. Do you know what? That hatred in you is doing more harm in you. That hatred. Death. Family's family. Friends are friends. People can persecute you. But you know what? When you let that hatred into your heart, that is harming you more than it is harming them. Let it go and forgive. So let's pray. Father, we know this morning we've talked about something quite intense. (laughs) We've spoken about something, Lord, that is so pinnacle to your kingdom. But Lord, we want to follow you, even if it means dying to our rights, our right to be angry, our right to be heard, our right to be offended. This morning you said, love your enemies and not just love and forgive them, but pray for them. Go that step further. So this morning, Lord, as we've heard your word, let it, let it transform our thoughts and our, and our actions. We come humbly before you this morning, Lord. We give you our relationships. We give you everything. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us the grace by the power of the Holy Spirit to forgive, to love. And in that, transform our sight. Let us see a great future. Be activated over that circumstance. I thank you, God, that as you are activated over the circumstance, eternity and heaven's power, all supernatural heaven's power gets involved in that circumstance as we let go. So this morning, Lord, we pray for those who have hurt us, hurt us, persecuted us, treated us badly, and we release them. That we can be a vessel of God's honour and the kingdom of God in every situation we face. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for having me, C3 Silver. It's such an honour.